Hi, this is Riggs Eckleberry, CEO of Origin Clear. Welcome to the podcast, Water is the New Goal. Now in this podcast, I explore every week the trends in water, the big disruption that's happening, what we're doing about it, and where the future lies. It's quite interesting. Enjoy and stay subscribed. All right. So... Rick Eckleberry here. It's the 6th of September, and I promised you a briefing on water chain this week, and um, I'll get into that and also the reasons why. Furthermore, next week, I'll be giving you a briefing on technology. We have some amazing developments. New technology will be announcing new technology developments that are pretty startling, but that's going to be for next week because we have a release to get out of the way first. Okay, so now, as you know, the first part of this year was spent on, by me in any case, on uh, this uh, crypto world with water chain. And that became a very exciting development, which we got into in January. In fact, in December, we created the company called WaterChain, and we started developing the concept. And of course, it got very exciting for me. Uh, I was down in Puerto Rico uh, for the restart week there. I had a lot of fun with um, various conferences, so much happening in crypto. But at the same time, something interesting happened in the crypto world, which was that the wild, wild west of 2017 basically came to an end. And of course, a lot of people got hurt when they bought in right at the top of Bitcoin mania. And so many, many investors that I spoke to said, oh, well, <laughs> yes, uh, very nice, except that, uh, you know, my, my kids bought and hasn't worked out, et cetera. And so you have this previous wave of pretty much unregulated coin activity occurring through 2017 and then really getting just sort of kind of going kind of sideways in 2018. And really what we had was the Securities and Exchange Commission stepping in and figuring out that things had to be regulated, that it wasn't going away, but also that it should be subject to the same safeguards for investors that have been in place since the 34 Act that established the SEC in 1934. So that really was what happened throughout the year. And then a whole series of exchanges went into planning to provide security compliant tokens that the SEC would approve of. And those are pretty much going to be up and running in the fourth quarter of this year. So we looked at this whole process and we basically decided to just continue to plan things out and really to plan for this new compliance stage. And that's really how WaterChain has been evolving. So you, started, you stopped hearing so much about it really because we needed to make sure that we were compliant. Now, the other problem that I ran into was that most normal people cannot figure out this crypto thing. They hear a lot of Jamie Dimon types saying it's no good and Warren Buffett and so forth and so on. And of course, Warren Buffett is talking bad about Bitcoin, but at the same time, his own railway, Burlington Northern Santa Fe, is a major player in the blockchain for Transportation Alliance, which seeks to put order into the whole U.S. transportation situation. So why is it that, that Warren Buffett is on the one hand dissing on Bitcoin and on the other hand, really letting his, his railway get deeply involved in it. And for example, JP Morgan, where you got Jamie Dimon being to totally against crypto and yet JP Morgan itself has a very active blockchain department. How is it that these two things could coexist? And that's really what I wanted to talk about a little bit and, and why such a thing as crypto exists and why does Origin Clear want to do it? How, what does it have to do with our business model? So the analogy that I like to use is called Beyond Uber. Everybody knows what Uber did. It basically blew up 
the cab industry. Cab industry was being very, very monopolistic and centralized. And uh, Uber made sure that a lot of people got into the business of ride hailing. As a result, you know, Ubering has become a verb and I no longer drive to the airport. I take an Uber because frankly, it's actually cheaper. So that's great. The problem is, of course, that Uber drivers, turns out, don't make that much money. It's, it's hard to make good money as an Uber driver. And that's in great part because Uber itself sits in the middle and it's a multi-billion dollar company. And of course, they're there to make a profit. So they are kind of the spider in the center of the web. Now, let's fast forward to crypto. In a crypto world, you would have a coin. It's called the ride. It's called ride. All right. Now, the ride coin would be put in place. So that would be a cryptocurrency. By that, I mean simply crypto means simply it's secure and you can have duplicates of the same thing. So it's unique and secure. That's a cryptocurrency. And then you have on one end, you have all the drivers and they would access distributed applications called dApps, one for insurance, one for bonding, one for background check, one for licensing, et cetera. And once all these checkboxes were checked, then automatically the driver would appear on the availability of this network. And on the other side, you've got the riders. And these riders, of course, would pretty much need just about only to be alive and have a credit card. And so they would appear on the other end of the network. And then this network would simply match up riders with the drivers. And guess what? Nobody in the middle, which means that the money in the whole system goes to the players. The, the drivers get more money and the riders get to pay less. So it's a super efficient system. And this is something that people don't realize is that Bitcoin itself has no, there's nobody in charge of Bitcoin, nobody in charge of a true cryptocurrency because it's set up with these self-managing games, these self-managing processes. So basically what we have is a, a process whereby a means of exchange is set up with certain rules to the game so that it's self-managing and the game just goes on. Obviously, it has to be designed right, and that's the job of the, in this case, the group that would put together the thing called Ride, and they'd get paid by having a little, you know, micro penny on each transaction. Now, they wouldn't have to worry about being paid more than a fraction of a penny on each transaction. Why? Because they wouldn't be doing anything except, of course, the initial marketing and the concept and so forth. The thing would pretty much run on its own. They wouldn't have to make sure criminals weren't doing the driving and so forth because those would be implemented as automatic process. So by embedding this in there, they would have a viable cryptocurrency. Where does blockchain come in? Now, blockchain is very simply, all that blockchain is, is a registry. Each record on the blockchain is simply a single line with a pointer. It points to information somewhere. So for example, if you had a somebody calling for a ride, that might be a blockchain entry and then it would get a confirm from the drivers. I mean, you can imagine how blockchain would be used as a way to do, basically ensure that everybody was kept honest in the system. So blockchain is really the way that you regulate these decentralized transactions. And then the crypto part is really the part that creates something of value that can't be hacked into and that has true uniqueness. Each coin is unique unto itself, just like the serial numbers on a dollar bill. And why would you have a crypto for a ride? Because it's impossible to actually program rules into US dollars. US dollars just sit there. They don't have any kind of smarts. So these cryptocurrencies exist for the simple reason that you need something with smarts. It needs to understand and be set up with the rules of a particular activity. And so that's the ride coin that would be beyond Uber. And as you can see, done right, it would pretty much blow Uber out of the water. I'm not advocating for it, and I'm certainly not saying it should happen, but that gives you a good illustration of what this looks like. Water chain, and I'm not going to get into the business model of water chain now because the way it has evolved is well beyond what you'll see on the website and in the downloadable materials, and it is 
beautifully simple. Our strategic consultant who's been working on this on Marchesello is just brilliant. He's been involved with a couple of very successful point offerings, and he's put together something simple and elegant. But we have to file a patent on it or update the patent, really, that was filed in January. And then we also need to get it into a public form. So I won't get into the business model itself, but suffice it to say that it implements something like this supply and demand relationship. But I can tell you where, where water chain will play. And I've talked to you a number of times about how the, the market for water is moving out towards the edge. So self-treatment, what's called in situ or on-site, that's a Latin word for on-site water treatment, is growing. And that's because not only are the municipalities overloaded and the infrastructure falling apart, but it's becoming financially a good idea for people to have their own water treatment systems. Modular Water, which is run by Dan Early, has a number of real estate developments as prospective clients in their pipeline and in the coming contracts. And these real estate developers, they're putting together a development of two or 300 homes, and there's going to be a golf course and maybe a lake and whatever. They have a choice of either hooking up to the sewage system, running a sewage line, and uh, in that case, every all the gray water and black water gets flushed down to the municipality, which treats it and does whatever it wants to it, do to it. While at the same time, they could instead have an on-site water treatment system, which modular water systems provide. It's a packaged prefab system that gets trucked on site and plugged in, designed to be incredibly easy to run. Because after all, Dan Early has built systems for the forward operating bases in Afghanistan, where an 18-year-old has to run a water treatment plant for an entire um, army base. And so it has to be simple. And so this unit gets delivered on site, gets plugged in, and now the real estate development treats the water and then uses the result to irrigate the golf course. Now, not only now did, did you get end up with a very ecological outcome, you're recycling, isn't that great? But also, you're not paying for all that virgin water that's going to be poured onto a golf course. That is because it was decentralized, and all of a sudden, you had somebody who had to treat his own water and therefore had a reason to reuse it. When municipalities want to do that, they run into political problems. Look at San Diego, where you have the toilet-to-tap concept, and people are hating that because they just don't want to hear about it. Well, okay. Toilet tap is its own thing, but that's where municipalities run into trouble. Whereas an individual operator, so let's say a rural school or a, again, a real estate development, community center, a factory, a concentrated animal factory operation, CAFO, where they might have tens of thousands or even millions of chickens and so on. Well, they've got manure, effluent and so forth. And if they do a good job of cleaning it on site, not only will the downstream result be much cleaner, but they'll be able to reuse the water and, and the manure has can become fertilizer and all that great stuff. So there's a lot of reasons why water treatment is moving to the edge. It's the same reason that people are putting solar panels on their roofs, because frankly, it's cheaper than buying your energy from the central utility, which of course has overhead and has to serve people night and day, whereas you're only worried about yourself. And that is really the brilliant part about decentralization. When we put water chain in place, we're really enabling transactions from $2,000 transaction at the bottom end, that would be a system for a home, all the way up to about a million dollars, which would be a very large system for, let's say, a huge factory or something like that. It, it, they don't get much bigger than that in this decentralized world. And so it's, it's basically a way to think about it. Modular Water right now has a pipeline of business, multi-million dollar pipeline of business that they have. And that's dependent upon 
these customers, like the real estate developments, having the money to do these. Now, there's good return on investment for these systems, or two, three, four years, but you still have to find the capital. And imagine if all of a sudden capital was no longer an issue, if you could just tap into the cryptocurrency water chain setup to get your system funded. It had to meet certain criteria. Again, these can be set up with distributed apps that are managed by real people. So you get actual verification because you don't want the system gained. So that's how, how things can happen is you actually enable these transactions to occur without requiring conventional bank capital to occur. That would dramatically speed up the business that Dan Early is doing with modular water. So that is why WaterChain is of interest to Origin Clear, because it is a financing mechanism for the very business that we are finding ourselves in. And that is has this amazing upside because Dan really figured out how to create a simple, robust, inexpensive package that is markedly less expensive than conventional water treatment systems, faster to build, more reliable, and can be trucked on site and so forth. And so not only does he have something good, but we have an opportunity to dramatically speed it up. And that's the beauty of the water chain concept. Now, I want to just say that I've managed to keep water chain away from Origin Clear staff, and this is a good thing because that kind of stuff can be very distracting. And so I was able to run it as a side project and it has a very small team, mostly legal, PR and content, build design, strategy and so forth. And we're able to run this inexpensively. And the next step is going to be to take it out into very crypto specialized markets for initial financing. I basically learned this year that regular investors, people like you and me, typically don't know what to make of a crypto investment. They might be interested, but they don't know how to judge it. And that's normal. That's kind of like uh, the internet in 1992 or something like that before the browser. I mean, it just wasn't there. And so it was hard for people to understand the value of it. And that's very true of the crypto world. As a result, you're not going to be offered to invest in water chain anytime soon for the simple reason that this is going to be done with a very small offering. But we're very careful to disclaim that it, this might never happen that uh, water chain, for all I know, it could be shut down any day. I, I really don't want to set up expectations that it's going to be huge because we don't want to start a speculative bubble around water chain. So it's a project. It has a tremendous value, fundamental value to Origin Clear because of that synergy with our product line, Modular Water. And we have a business model that we like very much that has been refined throughout the year by some very hardworking people. So we see this as something that has value. But again, we may never get this thing funded. We, we may not succeed at that. And also, it may become just too distracting. That's another possibility. It's all very well that I run this as a side project, but things are getting very, very busy here at Origin Clear, where we have a lot of business growing. We're just amazed at the growing activities, both in our existing progressive water treatment subsidiary, because as you recall, we announced that there was a doubling of revenue between the first half of 2017 and the first half of 2018 by progressive water treatment and a quadrupling of gross profits. So progressive water is growing and it continues to, to look really good on the forecast. And then now we got this new thing, modular water, which is just going gangbusters. I, you know, we love Dan. Not only is he an incredibly skilled specifying engineer, so he can really help the client put together a package that will get finance and so forth. But in addition, he's just a tremendous visionary for what he does. And he's got a grasp of the power of what he's done. He's also built a really great body of patents that really protect this idea and we're very privileged to have licensed this exclusively for the world. So what I'm getting at here is that I like WaterChain, good project. It's been going on for a while now and, and it's now refined and 
and the, the costs are not out of sight for us. We can we can pretty much proceed on this without too much distraction. But it may be it may happen that it just gets too busy for me to do justice to it, or we may find that for whatever reason markets aren't ready for it, etc. So that's my lengthy disclaimer to tell you to not rely on the water chain phenomenon. But I did want to explain how it is. Okay, well, I'm coming to the end of this conversation. I'm always interested in getting questions, and I didn't particularly get any so far. But one thing we can do is when we have these is for you to feed questions into the phone numbers. The team is standing by, 323-939-6645, extension 116. And I believe it's 201 is the other one. But in any case, you can go ahead and call them and ask questions. And you'll get those questions answered even after this call, because obviously ideas will come up and you'll, you know, well, what about this and what about that? And how come this and how about that? So you're more than welcome to do so. So I'm going to just wrap this up by saying that September has begun really well. We're very happy with progress commercially. We're going to be, as I say, announcing more technology stuff, which I will discuss in next week's call. And it's going to be very, very interesting, I guarantee you. Jean-Louis Kindler, the president of our technology division, is going to Oman at the end of the week. And he may get a, a deal going that has been working. Literally, we were working with the parties over there before the oil crash. Everything was frozen at the oil crash. And now we're going back there. <laughs> So it kind of tells you, I'm just telling you an anecdote, I'm not saying that, that any big deal is going to happen, but it kind of tells you that if you have lasting power, then deals can be done. And people recognize that we're still here. We lasted through the oil crash. As oil and gas comes back, we're now doing biddings in a number of countries, not just Oman. So that's very, very good. And I wish him a Godspeed and to break a leg in Oman and come back with some business. And aside from that, um, Again, I want to wish you a wonderful weekend. Thank you for being so supportive of the organization, and we look forward to speaking to you next week. If you're ever interested in communicating with me directly, you can always send an email to ceo at originclear.com. Thanks again. Well, that's the end of another podcast, and thanks for joining me. Do stay subscribed. And if you'd like to give me your ideas and interact with me generally, please join me for the live briefing Thursdays at 5 p.m. Pacific, 8 p.m. Eastern. Just sign up at originclear.com slash CEO. Bye for now.